0: Scuba Obsessed the Weekly Podcast, where we talk about all things scuba diving—from cool new gear to places to dive and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed Episode 490 is recorded live, April fifteenth, twenty twenty-one. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jolson, coming to you from the southwest side of the great state of Michigan, where I thought it was getting warmer, but now we're just getting rain and cold. Joining me this week, we have Mac, the dive mentor. How you doing today, Mac?
1: I'm doing very well, staying out the wet, meaning the rain, not the river.
0: Yeah. Well, the river wouldn't be too bad. Has anybody been getting any diving in, have you heard?
1: I haven't posted any pictures lately. And actually, I'm going to wean off Facebook, back. But uh, I was out there the other day. The river is back up to normal, as opposed to being way, way down, quite fast, and so mucky that I had salmon up on shore trying to breathe.
0: Wow! Really?
1: Yeah, I got some pictures of big size salmon there.
0: Oh, now, the key okay.
1: item is obviously it wasn't because it bloated, because I had maybe a foot and a half visibility. But, uh, first time I've seen dead salmon on the side of the banks.
0: Hmm.
1: these things as big as my arm, yeah, down, and I was looking because I got a couple out looking around. It's like no lampreys on them, and that's why I was wondering if I was going to find out
0: yeah I, huh i'm I'm not sure what that's about,
1: Yeah, neither do I. I talked to a couple of fishermen, and uh they'd been on the big lake, trying to luck here, and uh weren't well
0: mm-hmm. just getting mac Your uh, let me let me try something
1: here lose me or what
0: yeah you you, you broke up for a second so i'm just going to shut some things down making seeing if it was something on my side okay i'd like to thank everybody who's in the chat room we have derek and eric and dave in there tonight so thank you for for joining us and so let's go ahead and jump right on into the news. The first article that we have on the list is Diving After Your COVID 19 Vaccine. This is from Dan Europe, Divers Alert Network out of Europe. So it's like must be the European arm. It says in the documentation provided by the European Medical Agency, EMA, and part of the assessment process of vaccine regarding vaccines approved for use in er- Europe. It has been noted that some adverse reactions may result in the following. The, these side effects are generally mild and usually common in any type of vaccine, such as headaches, mild fever, nausea, pain at the injection site, dizziness, gastronomical disorders, uh, lymphod- that, uh, lymphodemiopathy, I'm pronouncing that terribly, uh, thrombotic events, etc. Side effects have been shown to occur mostly between 12 and 48 hours following the vaccination. In isolated cases, symptoms may extend up to seven days. Severe side effects such as anaphylaxis, fortunately, are extremely rare and have only been observed mostly in people with multiple allergies, also tend to appear immediately in the first 30 minutes following the vaccine, vaccine vaccination. Side effects are also reported more frequent after the second dose of the vaccine. Although a vast majority of the side effects reported so far are mild, do not put in question anyway the safety of the approved vaccines. They may be further enhanced by uh, diving conditions such as immersion pressure, uh, hypoxic and hyperoxic environment. Furthermore, it's possible that some of the immunologic effects of COVID-19 vaccination may temporarily influence the risk of diving-related illnesses and anecdotal cases of symptoms possibly related to decompression illness, DCI, after uneventful dives in the safe range for DCI have caused some concern in the diving communities. At this time, no evidence is available regarding the impact of diving conditions on the severity of side effects, nor on the resulting impact of performance of divers with regarding to diving safety. Taking this into account, these vaccines are new pharmac- pharmacological products in order to ensure that the side effects described do not interfere with the completion of any safety related tasks we'd like to draw the diving community's attention to information and guidelines posted by the World Health Organization the EMA the ECDC on COVID-19 vaccines and they have references in the articles would also add specific recommendations for divers in view of the necess- necessity to contain or end the COVID-19 pandemic as soon as possible because at this point, widespread vaccination appears to be the only way this could ever be as- achieved. It's highly recommended that all persons receive the vaccine as soon as vaccine becomes available in accordance with the national COVID-19 vaccine rollout plans. Divers should consider a waiting period of minimum seven days after each dose of the COVID-19 vaccine before engaging compressed gas or breath hold diving activities. It is a Advised to extend this interval to 14 uh, days for divers who have had side effects after the vaccine for more than 48 hours with personal health risk factors, but not limited to excessive body weight, chronic uh, metabolic disease, including diabetes, smoking, use of medication, or any combination of the above, or who wish to perform dive which requires specific technical skills or exceed the limits of no decompression. Recreational diving, and then they go on and talk about some of the the other stuff. But the I think this is the first time we've had anybody uh provide guidance related to the vaccine in a waiting period. Had you heard of anything like this?
1: I think Dan itself had also.
0: Okay. Yeah, because I know after the illness, they're waiting. They're recommending waiting at least thirty days, and only after cleared by a doctor.
1: Yeah, they're they're they're. Suggesting strongly that if you had any kind of adverse effects to begin with, especially any kind of chest condition, uh, they're strongly recommending x rays, mm-hmm. which does to me make sense, especially yeah. if you've already had any kind of issues.
0: Yeah. So, something to bear in mind. Uh, you know, depending on when you hear this, you know, it could be a month or two from now, but Dan is always a good resource to find out the current. Medical information and recommendations. This one is abcnews.au. They're saying uh, they have an article that says call to end mutilation, inhumane treatment of sharks and rays in SA, Southern Australia. They said that sharks and rays being caught off Southern Australia jetties are being mutilated and thrown back in the water alive, fishers and scuba divers say, prompting calls for more humane treatment of the animals. The calls came after a one-meter-long southern eagle ray was left partially filleted. filleted is that filleted or flayed on Brighton Beach last week, sparking criticism for some members of the community. Chemical engineer and dive master Daniel uh, Kinseth, uh, who dives at jetties across the state, said he had witnessed sharks and rays being mutilated, killed, and dumped countless times. Among distressing sights, he said have been sharks and rays have their fins or tails cut off before being thrown back in the water alive hooks and long ling, uh, links of line being left in the animal's mouth unwanted fish being left to suffocate and rot in the jetties a female great white shark being cut up and thrown into the water you even see parents encouraging their children to actively harm them it's not uncommon to hear someone say cut off the tail for steve uh which is a reference to the uh, steve Irwin's the late personality who was killed by a stingray's barb that punctured his heart in the filming of the documentary in 2006. So th- that's a, maybe that's something that's local down there. I, I didn't realize that was going on. I mean, I knew that they were doing shark finning, but this just sounds like...
1: Uh, well, you know, he says he's seen this himself. I wonder, mm-hmm. does he bring it up to people?
0: You mean bring it up to the people who are doing it?
1: Yeah, if you see it, and you witnessed it, you say something. I'm curious what they said to us. How come you did that? Yeah. I mean, the killed and dumped, I can understand. You catch one, and it's kill it when you're by, by virtue of catching it. and mm-hmm. Then you throw it back in for food. But the mutilated right. part, now, if they're meant you cut off the barb or the tail of the ray, that's a bit much. Yeah. But I don't know if that's what they meant or, not. or did they get to the the shark and cut the fin off
0: yeah yeah and they're also talking about people who are like taking fillets out of it and then just leaving the rest
1: yeah that part i've I've never heard about what how do you fillet a fish and still have it alive
0: yeah they show a photo there in the in the article and it's yeah i've never personally handled a ray, but maybe there's like you know that's like the prime meat it'd be kind of like uh Butchering her chicken and only taking the breast meat.
1: Okay, I've seen the stingray with the the one you're talking about with the tail cut.
0: Well, this one has a tail cut, but then they're also showing, you see the two shoulders look like they've been flayed.
1: I had fins on the ray?
0: Yeah. Yeah, if you you scroll down a little bit more in this article, you can see, yeah, it says after Fisher criticized for stingray treatment. What the guy was, did was wrong, as far as I'm concerned, a fisher called Matt said. All he did was take a certain amount of flays and waste the rest. The majority of the fishers on this page are really angry about it.
1: I see they took the tail away. I don't see too much on the... But he's he's spinning pretty darn good. But either way, why why do they take the tail?
0: Well, they were saying that some people were doing it just as a way of killing him, just to,
1: Because of Steve.
0: Right. Cause that's how he got.
1: Yeah. Right. I remember.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Derek saying, if you, if you're not keeping it, throw it back alive. Yeah. And and that's the same thing, uh, up here with fishing. You know, you, you know, there's a lot who practice catch and release. Yeah. But you know, if you're, if you're going to keep it and take it, then you should use the whole fish. Uh, I can, I can understand. And, I'm by no means an expert on on parts, but it seems like, you know, if you do have parts that you are unable to use, that there are critters in the water who wouldn't mind eating it. Oh, he says he's lost everybody's audio. Can you hear me, uh, Mac?
2: I hear you pretty good. Yeah. Who said you lost it? Hi, guys. Can I join in this conversation at this point in time, please?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead.
2: We've had a, a massive issue um, over the last five years about um, stingrays and sharks being caught at the local piers here in Melbourne. And there's been a, a very big awareness campaign and there's been uh change in legislation uh, protecting them now and uh, it, it's been a massive improvement on what uh, what's happening. We were seeing things like stingrays um, being thrown back in the water with um, with scallop cuts taken out of their wings. So just discs being cut out, like cookie cutter being used on the flaps of wings of stingrays, and then the rays being thrown back in. We see them being um, caught, um, and then just a stab, a, you know, a, a knife being put through their head to kill them, and then just throwing them back in for the sake of them being a, of fishermen being able to save themselves a, a thirty-cent hook. And there's been, and, and the reason that's one of the reasons that you see them with the tails being cut off all the time because the fishermen catch them. And then want their want their hook and their sinker back and their line back, so they cut the tail so that – Sorry about that. Yeah, they, they 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 cut them off so that they don't get.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's coming in and out, but I, I think what you're
2: my wife my my wife rang me in the middle of all of that. That was just <laughs> that was great timing. <laughs> um, so they, the fishermen will cut the tails off to um, so that they can retrieve their their line um, safely for the fishermen. what they're doing now here in Victoria is um, if they're actually encouraging, not encouraging, they're they're educating fishermen that if you can't safely remove the hook from the ray's mouth, uh, you can just cut the line very close to the mouth and the the fish will actually dissolve, the the ray will dissolve the hook uh, out of its mouth like a piercing and it will will heal um, safely and okay. But if you leave the line dangling, um, the line and, and sinker and tackles that always gets caught up in in, in seaweed and, and other obstructions. And me and my, my dive buddy Merv have, have saved a couple of uh, rays that have just been pinned to the ground because the hook in their mouth ha- and the trailing line has been caught around something. Uh, and so we've seen lots and lots of that. And the, the legislation's changed here too. To if you if a fisherman sees uh, a ray in the water, they're supposed to pull their line in uh, and do everything they can to not get Hooked and caught um, on it, and and I think South Australia is doing the the right thing by bringing in or trying to bring in these new laws to protect these these wonderful wonderful creatures. Anyway, something I'm very passionate about, and I'll, I'll get off my soapbox.
1: No,
0: no, we appreciate it. I, I well, certainly yeah, can understand.
2: Right? I just saw one of the pictures like you're talking
1: about on the beach. You said about the, the top flame. of the head. Yeah, yeah. I just saw that. Right? That makes sense now. What you said. Again, the tail's off. And they've stripped part of the wings off,
2: yeah. and that, that yeah.
1: I'm glad you mentioned that about the scallop and, and old because I couldn't see that makes sense. Which is
2: it's it's very unpleasant when you when you when you're having a a lovely dive, and you come across a, a ray that is uh, clearly been um, and sharks that have clearly been um, mutilated and thrown back in alive, and they're just sitting there waiting to die. It's it's it'll wreck a, it'll ruin a really nice dive. Let let alone let alone the, the what the what the animal's going through.
1: I just went down on the advice for handling. I never even thought about this. They're like talking about uh, cut the lines as close to as possible. Put a soft, wet cloth over the animal's eyes to help it keep calm. I never would have thought of it. And if you got it once landed, put water across the gill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just use a bucket of seawater, they said. That's good.
0: So, hopefully, they can get some education out there and uh, change some of the perceptions and how it should be handled.
1: Well, I know at the bottom of this, it's related stories. Shark nets. You see that, that one there? It's got pictures no. of rays caught in the nets.
0: Oh, yeah. I can. I, yeah, there's a related article.
1: I just clicked that. That's freaky.
0: Shark nets cruel, catching too many other marine creatures. Because wasn't there a, a program? I think we've covered that one before where they were trying to protect certain beaches or shorefront of uh, well, the shark
1: nets. This one here says around 94% of everything caught in shark nets, non target species, rays, dolphins, and. Birds. Wow. 94%? That's a hell of a Yeah. And 51 beaches, Newcastle to Sydney, Wollongong. Used the nets from September 1st to April.
0: Yeah.
1: You see the aspect they were talking about how many they got?
0: Yeah, 372 non target animals, including 86 smooth hammerhead sharks, 20 Australian cow nose rays, five dolphins, and 15 turtles. Uh, of the animals caught, 238 died and 157 were released alive, or their fate was unknown.
1: I don't know what a drumline is. Uh, drum lines used on the. NSW North Coast, the pictures mm-hmm. of the tiger shark. Yeah. Getting caught in those, that's amazing. It doesn't pay to be a fish, does it?
0: Yeah, they said that nets have been removed and replaced with smart drum lines.
1: I don't know what that is. It
0: says it's designed to alert contractors as soon as a shark is captured on the gear. Smart drum lines. Huh. Yeah. I'm. So that it sounds like it's an alternative to nets.
1: Yeah, there's a big deal here removal nets and other technologies be used
0: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah if you figure you're getting a six percent success rate
0: yeah that's that's not really good no
1: well that's good to hear educational
0: yes well then here in the great lakes we have scientists concerned about the bottom of the food web um It says, right now, scientists on a ship taking samples and measurements of the Great Lakes are trying to determine how the lakes will fare this year and watching for trends. One trend, the warming climate could mean changes to the food web in the lakes, but researchers are not yet sure what those changes may be. Ann Schofield, a life scientist at the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency's Great Lakes National Program Office in Chicago. But she's not in Chicago, they say. Right now, I'm out in the lake, RV, Lake Guardian. Which is our research vessel that does the spring and summer surveys, as well as a lot of other surveys over the course of the year, she said on the phone. She manages the US EPA's long term biology monitoring program. The Lake Guardian has been visiting the lakes, monitoring changes since the 1980s. It can check conditions in all five lakes in about a month. Uh, when we talked, the ship was headed for Lake Erie, the fourth lake visited during the spring survey. Basically, we're just trying to understand what's going on in the lakes and how it's going to affect the rest of the Food web as well as water quality that really important as a drinking water source for people, Schofield said. Think back to grade school and you first learned about the food web, it all starts with microscopic plant and life and builds from there as many other things. Scientists are studying how the bottom of the food web of the Great Lakes is doing. One thing Schofield and other scientists are finding is a change in diatom populations. Diatoms are the microscopic algae. Tiny organisms called zooplankton and some just-hatched fish like to eat diatoms. Those little fish either grow up or they're eaten by bigger fish, and people like to eat those fish. Algae has been diatoms are sensitive to the water quality changes. Great Lake National Program Office said diatoms can serve as the first indicators of nutrients and contaminant changes, such as phosphorus runoff from farm fields and lawns. They respond to physical changes, such as climate. One area of thought is because of climate change, the productivity of lower food webs may decline," said Doran Mason. He's a research scientist at National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration Great Lake Environmental Research Lab in Ann Arbor. There are thousands of kinds of diatoms and many kinds of algae. Mason says some of them like cold water and grow during winter, so warming water in the lake is bad for them. Other kinds of diatoms and algae actually like warm water. Our best guess is given. What we know is warm water temperatures that are protected with climate change that might help sustain and grow the bottom of the food web, he said. The work that the scientists on board Lake Guardian are doing should help shed some light. Looking at those diatoms and other algae can help determine how the climate is changing things. On board the research vessel, Ann Schofield said milder winters are good for those diatoms that like warm water. What we think is that we are seeing an increase of this particular type of algae in response to you know, less on the ice in the winter and warmer temperatures. Beth Hinchy, of Scoop, uh, Schofield supervisor back in Chicago says she's sure maybe warmer waters are good for some types of algae. These diatom complex living, and that could signal change in how the rest of the food web functions. And that sounds like good news, but that's complicated business trying to figure out how all the changes in the Great Lakes affect things. One thing that can benefit Some algae is the base of the food web while other algae are being harmed. Hinchy says if you look at diatom species overall, they're being pressured by pollution, by climate change, and by invasive species. Diatoms are preferred prey or fish for the zebra mussels and quagga mussels uh, like them as well. So we've been seeing big reductions in some of our diatom species since the invasion of mussels. That point is less food for fish. There's good algae, and then there's algae that can harbor toxic bacteria. The pollution of some of the good algae has been hit hard by invasive quagga mussels. They spread across every lake except Superior. Ed Rutherford, who's with NOAA Great Lake Environmental Research Lab, says the quagga mussels are picky eaters. Is, does that make any sense? He says quagga mussels are picky eaters. I thought anything that went that filtered through them, they ate. Uh, they liked a good green phytoplankton, but they severely reject a harmful algae that causes harmful algae blooms, which is called mycrostis. Uh, so the invasive species are gobbling up some of the good algae, leaving the bad stuff in the water. So the EPA's Lake Guardian Research Vessel needs to keep monitoring all these vast, complex changes to Great Lakes to try and determine what it all means for the bottom of the food web that starts in the Great Lakes.
1: Uh, that whole article, the best thing copy. Lake Michigan chart. Excellent. Starting at the bottom where it actually plus the other items. Yep. It's that. It's that. It's that. It's a nice article.
0: Yeah, it was a good one.
1: Well, we because you really don't think of the cold water, at least I don't. I know, I look at the power plant to take water in and back out. summer I know that They have a higher, thicker infestation of greens, for example. And breeding of the fish seems to go very well around the tunnels. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure which fish that is versus coal. Yeah.
0: Well, I think for some, they're not going to like a change in temperature, and there's going to be others that are going to love it. So. You, know, you, you kind of don't know until it happens. I mean, you can monitor and take an educated guess.
1: You know that you used to find carp out there around the intakes that were big as me, six feet. You'd have buffalo, another big fish. Uh-huh. And I haven't really seen a lot of those out the last 10 years.
0: I can remember as a kid in the Kalamazoo River, they used to, they would bring a garbage truck with barrels in it and they would do what they called a carp shoot yeah. and get all these people out in the boats with, and they used bows and they would shoot the carp, bring it in and they would just load the dump truck and haul it to the dump. I don't know. I seems like it would have been better on some farmer's field, but I don't know if the thought behind it was that the carp was eat, it was a trash fish and they thought it was eating food that they wanted the trout and bass and perch to have,
1: or that's my understanding. Uh realized mm-hmm. realize they have a nighttime carp bow hunting on Pawpaw Paw Lake?
0: I didn't realize they did, but I, I, I mean, I have heard of it. It's uh,
1: Yeah, they got some nice money prizes. For mm-hmm. And, you know, I've seen some carp out there, but I've not seen the big ones, those guys actually in their lanterns and stuff at night.
0: Yeah. Now, is the... Is the regular carp? Not talking the Asian carp, but the regular carp. Is that a invasive species itself?
1: I I don't really know. I know it's been there forever. Uh, carp get out of the river. Yeah, just what I'm used to. Standard carp, except we have got those that are as big as my leg, two and a half long. Mm-hmm.
0: In the yeah, river. well, yeah. We used to occasionally see them walk up. I, I had never caught one, but I was never fishing with that. every the test line to be able to pull a carp in. We were happy just to get some bluegill or, or sunfish, typically.
1: It, it's it been years since we have ran into what I would call herds or school or carp. But it's been probably 15 years when we dove it in November. The whole mm-hmm. bit, the bottom looked like the bottom was moving till you got down there. And it was just... Dozens dozens of carp, and I mean big carp, all herded. I haven't seen that a bazillion years. A dozen.
0: No, I don't, I mean, since I've been diving, I haven't seen it.
1: It's impressive, but I've not seen it. Like I said, a dozen years.
0: Well, how about this? Teen designs, builds underwater vehicles. Last year he built a boat. This year, Josh Gleason is designing, building, and operating underwater remote operated vehicles or ROVs. Modeled after the same underwater machines the, that NOAA uses to explore the depths of the ocean, these ROVs were in motion Tuesday at the lagoon on Hanoi Lake. Scouts with Naples Troop 40 brought their ROVs for the t- test the first time. Josh, who spearheaded the project, put his larger, more sophisticated model to a further test. It's really a lot of fun to search underwater. Josh, 15, who built his ROV with a robotic arm to grab underwater objects seen in a monitor attached to the control box. He also designed basic ROV kits for each scout to use in building their own vehicles. Many of the parts, the battery-powered machines Josh manufactured via computer-aided design and 3D printing. Naples Troop 40 Scoutmaster Joe Miller said one of the words for the project is awesome. In addition to the ROV kits, Josh had been teaching classes to help fellow scouts earn their electronics merit badge. Josh's ROV is his project to earn an Eagle Scout batch attached to a long cable. Each ROV is self-propelled, can dive 50 feet. Each has a camera along the operator to see what the ROV sees. Everett Dawson, the former Troop's 40 Eagle Scout, arrived at Sandy Bottom Park on the lake with his brothers Ethan Davis, 13, who made an ROV, Eli Davidson, 7, and a curious Cub Scout, the trio were Eagle, trio were eagle, eagle eager to see what the rovs could do the other scouts and family members arrived to such that ian bolton 12 who set up his machine with his dad john bolton and this, this goes the pictures, pardon me
1: pictures the sequence here
0: yeah it's it's pretty impressive what they've what they've done this is not just uh
1: the reason i mentioned that is we do a podcast on them. is there a way they can see what uh the site is, is they really need to take a this is really interesting. And mm-hmm. I don't mean just for the kids.
0: <laughs> right.
1: I wouldn't mind having one of those go up and down the pier.
0: No. Well, that that'd be... would be awesome. Yeah, because but... it...
1: it... gives you a good perspective of like, made with PVC and mm-hmm. his person. See how he had that. That's...
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm taking a look at the photos now.
1: This is awesome. And I like the... Got the box, too. It's like an iPad, joystick. Definitely, uh, guys out there listening, listening to, to take a look at this one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll have links in the show notes for, for people to take a look.
1: So it'd be good for you and your guys. This is nice. Yeah. That's a lot. You guys, 50.
0: Yeah, that's, that's pretty you cool. You can
1: make some money out of that one. <laughs> it does his own 3d printing yeah hey, i'll buy one i've really it's uh,
0: it's it, i i i recognize many of the parts that he's using it's it's pretty cool you know running it with a looks like a deep cycle battery there in the shore got everything all plugged in together
1: the led uh yeah uh, photo cells feeding back to the batteries or self-sustaining
0: <laughs> oh did, did he say that
1: that's pretty-
0: yeah. You have to make sure he's got enough solar panels for that. That's very cool. And then, if you're in Utah, Willard Bay State Park adds a new day use pond, uh, just north of the 9,900 acre freshwater reservoir. The, Ustar, the Utah State Parks is calling the new addition the Pond at Willard Bay. James Morgan, the park manager, said he raised the dike a few years ago. The contractors left the hole where the material came from. We thought the hole could give us more beach area to accommodate more people, and we expanded the pond to make it bigger, hauled in 20,000 pounds of sand for the beach, added some restrooms with flush toilets, another 400 paved parking stalls. The new pond is about 1,100 acre-feet of water. It is expected to be open for Memorial Day weekend, and it'll be for day use only, accommodating non-motorized watercraft such as kayaks, Paddleboards, boards, inner tubes, and other flotation device. It is 50 to 60 feet deep in one end. We made it deep enough to certify scuba divers, Morgan said. We think right now Bear Lake is the only other place deep enough to certify divers in northern Utah and is easy access from the freeway. The uh, Utah Division of Wildlife and Resources is supposed to stock it with fish and possibly some species that are not currently available in the Willard Bay Reservoir. We hope the new area will be beneficial to people who want to play in the beach and not have to compete with boaters and water skiers. People are telling us they're excited to use it. The actual construction took less than a year. Work on the pond started in June 2020. This is the first phase. Next phase, we plan to have concessions similar to what we have to marina with inflatable tramps, water slides people can play on with the water. So look look at that uh, that outhouse there. That's pretty nice.
1: That's going to be – I like the coordination because I did it. Divers in mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They started with it.
1: Now that, that's a nice rapport and multi-purposing getting.
0: Yeah. So I'm glad to see that they had some favorable opinions of divers to put the effort in. And I thought you might like to take a look at this one, Mac. Researchers recover more artifacts from the ship that carried the Elgin marbles. And when when they said marbles, I was thinking of the, you know, cat eyes and glasses and uh, but the archeolo- archeologists who are searching the shipwreck of the mentor have retrieved more artifacts from the famous wreck including the leather sole of a shoe and the flintlock pistol the mentor's ship that thomas bruce earl of elgin used to send the british artifact or britain artifacts that removed from the great the greek parthenon while he served as britain's ambassador to the ottoman empire in constantinople The ship was carrying marble structures that had been chipped away from the Parthenon in Athens. After sinking, the marbles were retrieved and sent on to Britain by Lord Horatio Nelson. Now known as the Elgin Marbles, they are part of a collection in the British Museum. This is a controversial situation, as many believe the British people stole the sculptures from Greece and should return them. Dr. Demetrius... Oh, the long Greek name is working on the group of researching the wreck. He said that they have found numerous items over the course of their research since 2011, including belt buckles, coins, chess pieces, tools, and, uh, theodolite. The theodolite is an instrument for taking measurements. Uh, this one is believed to belong to William Mark and Leake, topographer, artillery, captain, diplomat, an antiquarian who is known to have been one of 12 people on board the ship when it sank all 12 people survived the sinking with the help of people in the nearby town uh the doctor said he had been difficult negotiating return of the elgin marbles part of the reason is that the british museum is an independent entity so they have to negotiate separately with the british museum and the british government also the marbles are one of the most valuable collections in the British Museum, so they were uh, reticent to let them go. Finally, the ship sank near Kithira, where the independent Greek state, which was the protectorate of Great Britain at the time. Even Lord Byron wrote a poem at the time which accused Elgin of robbing the Greeks. The British Museum's position artifacts were legally removed from Greece, so it has no reason to turn them. They point out that the British Parliament investigated the claims that the sculptures were removed illegally and found that there was no basis for the claims. In fact, authorities in both Athens and London were aware of Elgin was taking the sculptures and did nothing to stop them at the time. On the other hand, everyone knows that the marbles came from, and the Parthenon is a UNESCO World Heritage Site, so the Greeks have a good case for their return. In the end, it's possible that Lord Elgin was within his legal rights to send the marbles to England, but the doctor emphatically denies that Elgin had any ethical rights to take the artifacts. the history of the mentor is not so clear cut as the marbles it was carrying. It was believed to have been built in the US. Following the War of Independence, the French took the ship and used it to carry cargo in the French fleet. The British captured it in the British and French War. They didn't want it, so they sold it to Lord Elgin.
1: I did a couple of pictures there that I looked different, found a lot more pictures. Mm-hmm. And we talked about marbles. <laughs> Statues and stuff are amazing. Other articles about it took sculptures back in 19 and 19. They were British Museum, same with fire, brush, and acid, causing permanent damage to the surface of the, the water. You see the- I'm,
0: I'm sorry, Mac, you broke up there. You said the, the water, what?
1: I, I posted pictures. Visibility. Okay.
0: Let me take a sight.
1: look.
0: Yeah, it shows the two divers over the wreck. Yep, that's some, some excellent vis right yeah. there. Very nice. Doesn't say how deep it is, but it, it, they they look to be it looks to be fairly deep, wouldn't you say?
1: Well, they're single tanks. Visibility is so darn good. I can't believe it's really deep.
0: Yeah, just one. It's hard to tell because I think it's uh the light is uh there's a light on the camera. And it's kind of
1: so. Didn't give the
0: no. Well, it couldn't have been too deep because they didn't they recover it at the time. Yeah, 1930s. It, it well, I bet you could do a whole long debate on whether they should have been taken or not.
1: Well, back in the 1930s, I don't think so. Ecological preservation aspect. The boat, mm. sure they. Exp- pyramid a little dead years ago also that's mm-hmm. again more eyeballs you have watching things different
0: well apple's up to something you know, look at this and they're saying that they apple received a patent for distinct underwater mode graphic user interface for a future iphone The patent and trademark office granted apple a patent that relates to computer user interface more specifically, Apple's newly designed underwater mode user interface for use when the device, when an iDevice, is working underwater, the user can switch back to standard iOS UI when back on land. The UI seems to be geared towards snorkelers who love taking photos and videos while underwater. This could be a very popular feature. Apple's invention prov- uh, provides electronic devices with faster, more efficient methods for accessing underwater user interfaces and interfaces for interacting with electronic device while the electronic device is underwater. Such methods of interface optionally complete the replacement of other methods and interfaces for interfacing electronic device electronic devices underwater. Such methods and interface reduce the number, extent, and or number of inputs from the re- the user, reducing the cognitive burden on the user and produce a more efficient human machine interface for battery operated computing devices, such a method and interface conserve power and increase the time between battery charges. Further such method interfaces also streamline operations perform the access underwater user interface and for operating an electronic device while underwater, which reduces unnecessary received inputs and improves user efficiency and output. And then they've got a, uh, diagram that shows it and you have to love the fish anatomically correct as they are yeah i mean this makes sense i mean i'm it's kind of my day job is building mobile apps and that's what that's what you do is you look at the how is the mode and and the app going to be used and how do you make it easy to navigate to get to the content and that's what they're doing uh i think they're still planning on people using their fingers interact. oh i see that they they're uh they're also using the side buttons they specifically are saying. That's what I'm wondering. I've never, I don't know how a touchscreen interface works underwater. That's usually capacitive type of item. And like, if you ever had your hands wet after washing them and trying to use your phone, you can experience how difficult it is. Imagine the whole phone being wet. Gotcha. Yeah. So really what they're doing is they said detecting a press a button Number 5016 with contact 5506 will display an underwater camera user interface. So that would be the button on the right side. It's 5506. Where's that one? Not seeing it. <laughs> but uh, interesting. So it's not clear as to whether they're making a new device or if this is just something that will eventually show up in their regular phones and it says certain new iphone buttons are shown on the underwater version there are two dedicated buttons reserved to turn the camera and flashlight quickly whenever the user sets these buttons to other preferred apps the device's settings is unknown at this time and if you want to read more about it you can research it in patent 10,969,941 well, how about this, Mac? Uh, this could be a dive boat, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> nuclear-powered super yacht. Uh, says it costs $3 million a ticket, but climate change students will ride for free. Climate change students have the opportunity to do something real cool, ride aboard a nuclear-powered super yacht for free. Most people have to stump up a whopping $3 million for a 10-day ride on the nuclear-powered emission-free yacht. But if you're a student or scientist selected to help study the effects of climate change on a planet, you'll be on board free of charge. Earth 3000 described as the Olympic torch of global science. It is set to sail in 2025 with a crew of 160 scientists, 40 VIP guests, and 20 students. It is our youth who will have to lead us bravely into the future, so we have also made space for 20 students on board every voyage, selected democratically, irrespective of creed, color, or income bracket, read the press release. The odd is still in the preliminary design stages, but the creator's mission for the innovation creation is to expand knowledge above and below the ocean. The 13-story, 300-meter-long vessel is also 100% emission-free, powered by a molten salt reactor, the new wave of atomic energy that will fuel a new generation. We have a choice of what kind of different we want to make in the world. One of the choices is to make is become carbon-free. We have found a way to get there. The website read. The website also mentioned the Molten Salt Reactor, or MMSR, is a small with few moving parts and will provide clean energy needed to move the ocean transportation to the future. We are living at a pivotal moment in human history, f- facing the greatest challenge since the dawn of man. Climate change is our goal, to ring the climate alarm. A uh, global scale, an instrument of the era of eco- ecological imagination, spawning a new brand. Planetary vanguard ethical leaders will support the new economic and ecological vision for the world," said Earth 3000 CEO Aaron <coughs> Oliver in a press release. And they go on. Uh, do you think oh, the lever- I mean, how how many times have we seen these in in popular science? This used to be on the cover, like every every three or four months, something fanciful picture, like this.
1: Pictures great. Right? Yeah. I- very curious to see the reactor I think that they're talking about that reactor key characteristic of that MSR is mm-hmm. operation at or close atmospheric pressure so right. not like we normally have one the wR it's right. just one of the, the 75 to times that typical light yeah it's
0: it's designed to to be able to handle the uh, you know it, it fails safe. You know the a lot of different fail modes, and everything fails to uh whether it just i mean I think the one of the worst cases is uh the salt seizes up
1: well the, the key item they like that is because you don't have the large expensive containment and yes. you don't have hydrogen which is a risk. and they say it does not produce dangerous redirecting fusion gases.
0: Pressure.
1: yeah as, as are by the so it'll be interesting to see that i haven't really noticed any of these why see where they have got one i know the concept is back from the 1950s
0: yeah yeah it was uh one of the original reactor designs but uh rick over when he blessed the uh light water reactor it, it kind of Ended it for all the other technologies because this, there's uh, the salt itself, you have to, uh, your material science has to be refined.
1: Well, the high temperature gas reactor, great one, uh, thermally efficient, but mm-hmm. helium and helium escapes pretty, pretty rapidly. Uh, the uh, Enrico Fermi one, that was liquid. Now, that was a really pain in the butt one. I had a trailer outside of uh, one side. When you had leak, you had a double kind of issue: sodium crystallization on the valves and stuff. Not a fun thing to. Work with, they sort of. Side. So yeah. I'd really like to see one of these.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I keep reading. I've lost my. And see if they've got any old and salt reactors in operation. Thought I'd lost you for a moment. thinking um, As I'm typing, let's see here. So, molten salt reactor. This is a paper published in 2015. It said, despite being introduced in the early 1960s, molten salt reactors are now only beginning to receive attention. The current viability of technology is built on numerous U.S. government and military experiments. Over 50 years ago, with the current leading example technology, <clears> liquid <throat> fluoride thorium reactor. Numerous other designs exist with their own advantages and disadvantages herein. Historic present, uh, pres, uh, perspective of the MSR will be presented, and it's a, it's a paper. So, well, this is. Do you,
1: do you know what the design was for aircraft? It was started with the United States Aircraft Reactor Expert, ARE, in support of mm-hmm. U.S. aircraft nuclear and the Are was a 0.5 megawatt nuclear reactor experimental design contain a high energy density for use as an engine makes sense because you can't obviously have a, a big shielding aircraft
0: you can't have the shielding and then you know the cooling is a little difficult <laughs> you, you know you don't have a ready supply of water that you can recirculate.
1: Well, the other kicker, our big design issue here, with remember I talked about the lithium, corrosive. Well, yeah, this also has corrosive hot salt.
0: So yes. you
1: do have an issue you got to worry about there.
0: Yeah, and and that's what, what I understand when the program got canceled originally, is what they were working on. It's like they would they would find one problem, fix that, and get to the next problem. So they never quite got to get it finished? I mean, because for it to be commercially viable, you can't be replacing everything in six months. You have to...
1: Well, it goes back to the other aspect. Back in the day, we're still thinking now, is instead of have one monster power that if you take out the transformers, you just screwed up megawatts, is why not every major little city or community have their own baby reactor? And that's still not a bad idea.
0: Yeah. And what they're talking about with these is that you could, you know, the, the reactors like a, it's like a battery. You know, when it's, when it's done, you pull it out, send it off to a recycling facility, and then you drop a fresh one in its place. And do they say in this, this paper is more of a theoretical. Uh, they said on a larger scale consortium countries, including Japan, U.S. and Russia is working on the Fuji MSR, which is to be in the 100 to 200 megawatt range similarity both china and india are working on molten salt reactor for the deployment within a decade so while the technology certainly looks like it's coming to maturity future msr will be uh bright provided nuclear power continues to assert its prevalence Rain's- yeah so but i i think that's one of the last uh let's say the last parts for society but one of the next critical things is just uh, you know, we've had, you know, you've information age as you now need the energy age. Cause that's what's, that's, what's really holding us back. Mm-hmm. You know, once you get energy being to where, you know, if you get it down to one tenth the cost it is now you've opened it up. So for so much to be done, you know, cause food doesn't become a problem. If you got energy, that's, uh, can be done like that. Uh, you, you, more tunnels under Earth, and you put lights on it, and you can grow whatever you want, controlled environments. and So that does it for Scuba in the News. Boy, we went, actually, we little...
1: actually, actually, for a second, I'm trying to figure out where I just read this. But one of the quarries just has new. And I I was trying to look it up to see if it was not quite... What are the quarries besides Gilboa?
0: You said one of the quarries besides Gilboa had what?
1: No. One of the new quarries, and I can't remember the name, has been sold. To a big organization. Which one is it that Bob goes to all the time? Is that?
0: Bob goes to Galboa quite a bit with the Great Lakes wrecking crew.
1: Yeah, maybe.
0: Yep. Yeah, anyway, Gilboa. they're
1: expanding it. They're going to have a 6,000 PSI um, compressor setup, nitrox station, building better. More facilities for campers, camping, a swimming area. So the people bring their families and they have recreational a swimming area. Uh, can't remember just that, but it sounds like they're going to spend a of money out there.
0: Yeah, so uh,
1: we're really uh, enhancing that tremendous.
0: Yeah, yeah, Dave in the chat room is saying that it, that's book Corey.
1: Is that the one that just got sold?
0: Well, I didn't hear it got sold. I, I'm that's what's surprised me. Yeah, it just web-
1: to a different organization. Yeah. Um, I just because it was funny, I was looking that up. It's like great dive, horrible owner view of <laughs> Gilboa Quarry. And this is recent.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And you know, people are people and you've, you've got different personalities, but you know, there's I, I have there you go, Craig. Don't run off. So I don't think we lost more than a couple seconds this time. Uh, yeah. I mean it's you, know, you can't fault somebody for, for trying to run this, but uh you know, I this is a cash and cash and check only facility. Yeah, this well, website must be an old website. So you said it got sold?
1: Yep. Uh one of the items they're gonna do is when you buy and get the ticket, it's serialized like when your wrist banned. So you uh-huh. can just flash your wrist, buy candy, whatnot. They're gonna have a uh, not a lot of dive supplies. Get things like a mask, defog. They're gonna sell that uh, bracelet and charge anything on it. Just flash your wrist, which would be convenient. I mean, if you got your suit and stuff on, don't have to pull out money. Just use your wrist.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I mean I'm. I can't find anything on the Quarry. I so can't either. News. I just. Yeah cause, yeah. cause I, I found the website cause here's the, the website is, uh, I'll put this here in the chat room. Oh, just announced on Facebook yesterday. Well, that's why I didn't realize it was that current of news. <laughs> okay. Yeah. they
1: like brand new, man.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's why I haven't heard about it. Uh, the new company is called full tank LLC. Okay. Lots of improvements. So that's what it needed. I mean, I I've dove there three or four times and I had fun and I enjoyed it. But there was like the first time I got there I'm like, "Oh, well they're working on something." Because there was stuff like half done and and then you come a year and a half later and it looks like everything's in the same condition it was or worse. So, so here's a link.
1: Well, it says on Tuesday, April 13th, thank L- L.C. Uh, thank the previous owner, Williams, for his 20 years. It's provided a facility for divers in the Midwest, uncannily clear water, submerged traction, spacious decks along the water. There will be a myriad of changes to come with the acquisition to a state-of-the-art nitrox system. Additional compressor and 6,000 PSI bank systems, adding a swimming beach the summer. This will allow divers, family, and friends that may not already be divers to the weekends with their families. Improvements to the bathhouse are sort to of be expected, along with outdoor showers to warm, rental. off. Additional staging area or field for divers much closer to the parking lot is being cleared. Um, Dive shop that will provide knickknack type diving items will be implemented. A registration system to include online release signing that'll stop a lot of paperwork. Yeah. Account building and most importantly time saving is the uh, is in the late, late stages of development. Expect mm-hmm. to see this implemented no later than June first. Yeah. Uh,
0: Add we'll... camper
1: and RV space. I think Bob and them will like that. Hmm. so looks like it's uh yeah new blood new money yeah go for
0: it yeah andy silverman operating partner full tank llc dba goba quarry uh
1: i saw some comments under the you know swimming beach will kill the visibility not if you have a sand
0: yeah
1: uh yeah
0: i yeah i mean you'll have to see I mean, the challenge is that we've we've all been there when it's packed and for them i mean they have to operate a business they have to make money on it oh, yeah. uh but that that can also be a challenge if you got too many people there but it's going to be good uh, these are all things that needed you know with with a business it's kind of like you you have to continue to invest and improve and do things and you know you, you get to a point where it feels like you're probably just trying to tread water you know they, you're always fixing something and never quite getting ahead. So, you know, a little bit of infusion of cash. Uh, you know, the, the other side of it is, you know, how are they paying for this? Is Are they going to be raising rates?
1: That's the big one. I was looking at the comments, and that's uh, the common denominator is, how much is this going to cost me? Right. Will the benefits be worth the extra cost?
0: Yeah. Because yeah, it, was, it wasn't cheap to go there, but, I mean, it was doable. Uh, yeah, you yeah, know, we'll have to give them time. Let, let, let people get in. I mean, you always got that. It seems easier to do than it is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Interesting to see who the experienced people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're we're seeing a whole bunch of congratulations, including, uh, the, uh, the concession, uh, manager of the white star, Corey rich mm-hmm. friend of the show. Diver Sync podcast host. uh So he was, he was said, "Congratulations! Looking forward to see what you can accomplish there." Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's it's great for us in diving. I'd like to see more spots because that's if this place got really popular and say they even doubled their rate, that would be an incentive for other people to try other quarries. I mean, the the more places to dive, the better it is. You know, you got competition, and you want to have a active and vibrant dive community
1: looks yeah. like
0: yeah karen said uh rates are going to go up to 32 dollars a day 12 dollars for a tank fill whoa yeah well i mean you got to kind of look at it. As it's it's kind of like going to the baseball yeah you know, yeah you can make a hot dog at home for less than a dollar but you're going to pay six there and that's kind of the way it is with tanks you want to avoid the Twelve dollar tank fill, then bring twenty tanks with you. Yeah, thirty-two (laughs) dollars a day is probably not bad for a facility like that.
1: Yeah, that's for the tank admission.
0: The the thirty-two dollars a day is for the admission, and twelve dollars is for the tank fill.
1: So, plus twelve.
0: Yeah, if you need your tank refilled.
1: I'm saying. So you're talking a goodly amount. Worth bringing your six
0: tanks with? Yeah, well, you yeah, uh, you bring your six tanks and you just don't refill them there. You take them back to the shop.
1: oh Hell yeah! <laughs> or, you, or you just bring the truck with that couple of the, the compressors VAs, on the, it, the big cylinders,
0: oh, the T cylinders. You're, <laughs> yeah, you're you're filling you're filling the, off the back.
1: I just bring Larry's tanks with me and we'll be good. And he's got six
0: bootleg. Well, why don't you cut out the middleman? Just throw the T cylinder in the back and you can dive with that
1: with a hose. <laughs> and that'd be
0: kind of a shore hooker setup.
1: Be hard to put enough floats on that big t cell <laughs> Yeah, from a hooker. I
0: well, just need a propeller on it like a torpedo.
1: Have a new pneumatic jet. Yep. For well,
0: it's eleven o'clock. Do we want to wind things down, or do you have a dive safety story you want to do?
1: I everything I had on the computer every time I turn this sucker okay it loads back up and it's like I'll have to go to the cloud to find out what the hell I have the funny part about it is I found out this is not uncommon in the last six. there's a ton of people got
0: oh is this that was there is there a Microsoft update that went bad
1: not as far as I know all I know is again every, I, I shut the sucker off back on and I have to everything all my programs oh. are gone all my files are gone so it's not in the cloud it's gone so i was going to try to make a note to karen she's hot to try to get out there and do a little searching mm-hmm. i was going through my old stuff my old records you send her pictures interested back out to check these calls so as soon as i get them down i'll send her Think that might work. Her appetite it looks like part of a ship. Is sitting, it's like why didn't they like? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. She she said sweet thanks.
1: Well, actually, believe it or not, I don't believe it's in Lake. It's in-
0: hmm
1: well, one boat we've been looking, at one, and then I. Uh, anyway, the this picture I come back across looks like part of the steamers mm-hmm. and it's like damn why didn't i go and look at this and i don't have a yeah
0: who knows i mean yes maybe you just got busy on something else or
1: well it was 2012 i was using borrowed boat a small duck and i was taking my side scan dr depp yeah and i Came across and since I'm looking at different computers, got some chips out and chips in there and said, Wait a minute, this. But fortunately, I had the numbers set. So I got the pictures and the coordinates. I think it'll definitely be talking. And then I think I found the coordinates for remember the tunnel we always dive, the big one. Yeah. Well, there's two out there. We never can seem to find the old one. Yeah. It's for- I think I found that one.
0: Oh, excellent. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I, you get a bunch of people who'd like to see that one.
1: It's been, I can't believe, 15 years since I think.
0: Yeah, because since I've been diving with you, I, I i know we've looked a bunch of times, and uh, I think we found the other one looking for the for that one.
1: Well, the the interesting part there is that one is almost flat to the ground. It's maybe mm-hmm. like a, up, so the sand could have covered. Yeah. What we really should have done is take a 200 line, go off the, run and do a an arc towards the shoreline and around. It's within 200 feet of that other. Okay. We should snag something with that 200. It's another project. Sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. The 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 chat room saying that you're cutting in and out. And I I'm kind of hearing it a little bit too. Sorry about that. Yeah, I don't, it's, it's, it's almost like a computer might need a reboot or something. It's a, it sounds like an audio thing, but, um, uh, I think we're to that time of the show. Are you, are you ready for the bad joke?
1: I'm sitting down.
0: Okay. So here we go. I've just been reading that by law. You have to turn your headline, your headlights on when it's rain uh, raining in Sweden. And then I got to thinking, who's going to let me know when it's raining in Sweden? I, I take it we need another one. <laughs> yeah, uh, so they they want another one. Okay, so here here's this one. So I was driving, and I saw this hitchhiker. It was dark and raining, and he, and he looked a little rough, but I picked him up anyway. After he climbs in and we pull out on the highway, he turns to me with a wry grin and a glint in his eye and says, how do you know I'm not a serial killer? To which I replied, the odds of being two serial killers in the same car is astronomical.
1: That gives you a warm, fuzzy feeling.
0: (laughs) It sounds like the plot of a beginning of a movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or a short one. (laughs)
0: A short one. Well then they team up, it becomes like a buddy a buddy film. Oh yeah. Yeah. So on that note, go out there and get wet.
1: And stay safe.
0: your audio cleared up there at the end Sound really good
1: water is getting warmer i have business this weekend but i intend to be in the river on the 24th not so um, anybody wants to go diving on the 24th saturday and hit the niles here
0: Ooh, yeah i'm i may be able to i i need to i'm yes yeah, uh karen says hopefully pulling my boat out of storage on saturday